Hello everyone, this is Shweb Khan here at Anti-Small Talk and today in our collaboration with Teacher Hug Radio, we have the wonderful Flo Awaloja joining us for a conversation, Anti-Small Talk, Teacher Hug Radio. Hello Flo and welcome to Anti-Small Talk. Hello, well, it is an absolute pleasure to find myself finally on Anti-Small Talk, you know, um, I keep seeing everybody on and thinking, when is my turn, when is my turn? Well, it's happened. It's my turn today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Believe you me, you've got plenty to talk about. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's get chatting. I didn't bring my wings with me. I wanted to sit there with my little wings and eat and, and just chatting, you know, like when you're at, like when you're in someone's front room, you're just sitting there with just, and you're just chatting and eating and, and breaking bread. Or oh, a coffee shop. Remember then, before COVID, you know, where you sit and chat to people, one of those places. So, Flo, for our audience, OK, who is Flo? You know what? Someone told me to write it down. I yeah. Who am I? You know how how do you quantify yourself? Um, I guess I would say I'm I'm a creative and um, I am a mother. I am a creator and a designer, and I'm also um, I care about education. So I I'm kind of many things. Many things. I wouldn't say I'm. I wouldn't say I'm, I've just got one string to my bow. There are. There are several, there are several. So I'm, I'm multifaceted. I think um, if anybody knows me on LinkedIn, I am definitely the mischief maker. I, uh, I get up to, to, to no good. So I, I am the mischief maker. I make the mischief. Okay, so we've got creator, mother, mischief maker, <laughs> general menace. Um, absolutely, absolutely. That's without a doubt. Menace, absolutely. No, that's fantastic. We've got loads of questions here for you just to get to know you a bit better, okay? Flo. When you were younger, what did you want to be? What was your aspiration? What was your dream? Oh, my God. Well, when I wanted to grow up, well, my, my, my parents, my dad was a, a draftsman, an electrical engineer, so he could really draw the circuits. And, you know, when we, was, when we were little, I used to sit on his knee and, and watch him draw. My mum used to go, I'm sure she got jealous, you know. And um, he used to, she used to say, oh, you know, leave your dad alone. And he used to say, no, 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 leave her there, leave her there. And I think that's where my love of art came in i mean my mum is a um my mum's a printer she's the old-fashioned type printer whereby you um i think they call them they're like hot metal um typography and she can cast and you know and and put them in little galleys and chases and you know sort of they're not doing it anymore hot metal um but she's good at that she's a bookbinder and uh she used to work a little firm in sort of old street and she used to bring all these reams of colored paper you know there wasn't a day in our house that we didn't see pink yellow and i guess we we thought you know at school we just like what's that we just because in our house we had reams of paper we were just scribbling our books so um art has always been there and i i you know i've always loved drawing i've always loved reading and, and languages if there's nothing i didn't if i didn't know a word I would actually, God, it's found so olden days now, get a dictionary and, and look and look at all the letters. What's, what's a dictionary? <laughs> I think, yeah, around, I'm around the sort of first wave of internet. So, but I, my dad still had a dictionary and he say, look in that book. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? So we start at A and work my way through. But looking at, I could, it was very good grounding. I think parents have this funny way of teaching you without teaching you because they kind of say, you know, I kind of understood how words are put together. I kind of understood 
languages. I kind of had understood how sentences are constructed. And that makes a big difference. So I always thought, I never thought I would do something in writing. Mm. But um, I always thought I would do something in art. And I wanted to be a vet. Okay. But uh, A-level biology practical, when we had to do, um, to dissect an animal, I was like, you know what? Me and you, we're going to part the waves here. So <laughs> the, the knife went one way and I said, no, nah, I'm not, I can't be doing this as this little creature. So there was my brief foray into veterinary surgery. And I was just like, I'm not cut out for it. So I didn't do it. But um, I did actually enjoy medical illustration. So I was, again, when I found out about it, the thought of sitting there drawing the insides of organs. And I was like, that means I have to see blood. So not, not for me. I'm not doing it. And um, I was like, God, all these careers. I didn't mind botany. And then I, my art teacher just let me be a, said, why don't you do look at graphic design? I was like, mm, yes, I wanted to be a vet, first of all. I wanted to be a vet. I think one thing it represents the amount of reflection that you had through each career stage. A bit like me. So when I was younger, I wanted the next Ainsley Harriet. And I love Ainsley, and I still love Ainsley. I would love to have him on the podcast. Ainsley, if you're listening to this, please hit come me in, up. Come in, come in, Ainsley, yeah. my man. We could, we could co-host that. That would be amazing. Oh. <laughs> Magic. Imagine that like, he actually dresses in a ready, steady cook outfit that he used to wear. Oh, you know, my the, God. Oh, my amazing. God. Yeah. That would be amazing. I'll be eating first. Talk to me later. Let's just, let's just chop. Let's just chop. Because I'll be eating. I could eat all day. As long as you can cook good, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I will walk to the earth with you. Even if me leave my parents, I'll walk with you. <laughs> So, Flo, is there a teacher in your life that really inspired you? Oh, my God. You know what? I remember my... I remember... It's funny how you remember the ones that kind of, that kind of resonate with you. I'm, I remember my first day at school, and I, I, there's a little teacher. She was... Then she was old, <laughs> so she's probably, probably with the daisies now. But um, then I remember her being... I think my dad took me to school, and her name was Miss, Miss Coomba. And I, I, I could never say her name, so I used to say Miss... Miss Cucumber, Miss Cucumber. Yeah, I, I can't remember much about her, but it's funny that I remember her on the first day. And then we had another lady, Miss Clark, and I was in year six of an infant school. And um, again, I now I know where the mischief comes in because I used to I used to put my ruler on the desk and I used to kind of twang it and watch it make a noise. And I remember us doing silent reading, and all of a sudden I sat at the back of the class and I put my ruler on the table. And I just let it go, twang, and it, and all of a sudden, I saw her in the front of the classroom, and I was like, kept twanging this ruler. And the next minute, and she get done today. She did this. She, I saw her literally come up behind me and clip me on the ear with a book, and I was like, ow, you know. And the book we were reading was um, the Water Babies, and we read that book, and I was just like, she goes, you stop twanging. I was like, okay. But I still carried on twanging, even after being clipped around the ear. But I think the teacher who teachers, and there were loads. I mean, I remember my first black teacher, um, physics teacher, Mr. Wolford, because I, I, I went to um, I went to an all-girls school. And um, I remember my, that maths teacher, Mr. Not, his physics teacher, Mr. Wolford, he was, it was funny because we never saw black teachers, and especially a man, never, never saw him. So... And I love physics. Um, I love physics. I, I, I love all the sciences. I loved English and I liked art. Those are the three. But of the two of the teachers, I'd say there's a lovely teacher, Mr. Perkins. And I, to this day, 
I can remember what he wore. He wore brown shoes, brown corduroys, and a blue jumper that never quite went over his stomach. And his shirt flapped out at the bottom. And he carried what I can call, I, could, I think they called him briefcase. He carried a, kind of like an old doctor's bag, which is his English bag. And, but his love of language, he made us, he made us really understand English. He really made us underst- understand how to, how to praise a, a, a piece of text, comprehension, how to speed read and how to basically digest like, I don't know, 500 words into 100 with, with ease. Mm. And I never realized the skill that it took. But he made us do it week after week after week. We just practiced that to the point now, I don't even think they do it now. I don't even know if they, if they do speed reading or pracy or summarizing. But it's a skill that has served me well. I'm telling you, it served mm. me well. My other art teacher was, um, and I know she's still living, Miss, Miss Melville James. She, um, and if she's listening, you know what? I'm still here. Um, <laughs> around year nine, you think, you know what? You think you're, year nine is that funny year when you're, yeah, funny year. When you're not, you're not quite ready to be year 10 and you're kind of too old to be year eight. So you kind of get squeezed from the top and squeezed from the bottom. And mm. um, I guess you, you, you kind of try and find your way because I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not rude. I never was rude, but I, I thought I'd see how it is to be like a rebel. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, uh, and I remember her taking me under her wing. Miss Melville James said, look, you know what? She said, you're good at art. You know, she said, you, you are so talented, but um, you're, just being, you're just being led astray. And, uh, and I guess I, only wanted, I really wanted someone to kind of just take me under their wing and say, you know what? I'll look after you. And, and, I, and, I, you know, and I guess... That's probably what a lot of pupils do today. They just they just want someone to be able to look up to and say, you know what, am I going to be okay with you? And so this lovely art teacher said to me, um, right, you're going to come into my room every lunchtime. And it was a haven. Oh, my God. The art room that was full of plants and full of oil paintings. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, was just, it was just peace. So I did my A-levels literally a year early. I think I did them. Yeah, I did my A-levels... I, before I should have done them because she said I was ready for them. And at the end of the day, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed art. It was just, it was just heaven. It was just brilliant. So, um, and it was she who encouraged me to go on and consider, consider a career in, in art or, and design, uh, you know, um, but she was never, she never said, oh, you can't do this. She always said, go for it. And it, it was nice to have someone who, who really believed in you, mm-hmm. you know, really believed in you and, you know, would go out of their way. You know, I, I couldn't tell you how many exhibitions she took us. She took us mm-hmm. to loads of exhibitions and you just think, oh, why am I being dragged around here? But you know what? All that was training because all of it has stuck. I could tell you the first exhibition she took, she took us to, you know, some of my favourite artists are ones that she showed us at the Tate Gallery. I mean, at the National Gallery, the British Museum. We, we saw them all. Um, so our, our art training was not necessarily in the classroom. It was outside. We were always outside of museums and going places. And, and I think it's a shame that so much has changed that you can't have that freedom is gone mm. and 
Mm. I'll be forever grateful for it. Ever grateful for that. Yeah. No, that's absolutely fantastic. And what two incredible, those are, that's absolutely incredible. And what fantastic role models those teachers were. I think one thing that I picked up on as well while she was speaking was that first BAME teacher. And I remember our first BAME teacher and we were probably year eight or year nine, maybe going into year 10, GCSE maths. And this guy just rocked up and it was that, that first eureka moment. And it was so empowering just seeing him and, and getting to speak to him and understanding his difficulty, his challenges. It was incredible. It was very empowering. Totally. I was, you know, we used to ask him and it was just different. It was. It was different. We were just like, sir. And we, we wouldn't even think twice to ask him a question. We were just like, yeah, and what about this, sir? And what about mm. such and such? And he mm. was affable. He never once flapped. He was always there for us, always wanting to mm. answer our questions, answer our career. He encouraged us to, to kind of ask questions. And mm. physics, we spoke about physics till the cows came home. <laughs> it's lovely how that love for learning was harnessed as well. I remember with that teacher, we had parents evening and he was able to speak to our mothers and fathers in our native Punjabi. Absolutely. It was incredible. It really was so empowering. That conversation, that, that, that breaking of the ice, you know, that us and them division is, is that curve. It's flattened, isn't it? When you've got someone just like you, that's, it's just a connection. And you imagine was... how you imagine how you can levitate when you walk in a room. Imagine mm-hmm. that's what it does. Yeah. That's what that that's what that does for children. Honestly, we've got so much more coming up after the break. We've just got a quick message from our sponsors. Welcome back, everyone. We've got Shreb Khan here with Flo Awalaja talking all things education, all things role models, all things, all things. So, Flo, if we're talking about this, this, this person, this, this BAME educator, this, your first BAME teacher, for our audience, can you explain how, how empowering this is, this feeling of having someone just like you in the classroom leading lessons? And I'm going to bring an anecdote from one of my, one of my, my, my son here when he was in he was, he was about seven, and we've always said to him um, that we've told him who he is, we've told him how great he is, we've said to him, you know, you're going you're gonna to walk with confidence, and we've told him, you know, we've empowered him to know that he's right. And when it comes to our culture and our history, he's right, he knows. Mm. So I had a little kid in the primary school, and, you know, the teacher's doing a geography lesson, and she said, oh, you know, Lagos is the capital of Nigeria. And my little man went... Shook, he went, no, 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 no. So he waited till she finished, and he, he, he put, like mother would say, he put his hand up. Mm. And he went, Miss? And she said, yes, yes, yes. She said, um, he said, no, Lagos is not the capital of Nigeria. And she went, oh, yes, it is. Anyway, he held his own. And um, she said to him, oh, you're wrong. And, and then she kind of punished him. Mm. So I think it's very important when you, when he came home, he, he, he told us and we just, we sort of went, no, nah, this, this is not happening. And then, then, then you see tiger, then you see tiger parents. You see, mm-hmm. in fact, you see tiger grandma. <laughs> That's what you mm-hmm. saw. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember coming home and I said to him, right. 
I said, I need you to tell this to the teacher verbatim. Don't cut anything out. You're going to tell it like this. Mm. And he's nodded his head and he sort of nodded. He went, yeah, yeah. And I said to him, you go back and you tell that teacher that, you know, you tell her that Lagos is not the capital of Nigeria. And you tell her what is. And he went, yeah. And tell her because grandma says so. Mm. So he went to school the next day and he, he waited and he, he put his hand up. He said, Miss. She went, Yes, you know, in that really kind of tone that said, Look, why are you bothering me? And she went, He went, Miss. He said, Lagos is not the capital of Nigeria. And she went, Yes, it is. He went, No, it's not. He said, It's Abuja because my grandmother comes there and she told me. And she went, Oh, oh yes, um, yes. Now, now, can you sit down? And it was one of those incidents that made me think, no, this is why you need to empower your children. Don't leave it to the state. Don't Absolutely. leave it to the system. You mm -hmm. empower. You. We were always told that our parents were our first educators. And mm -hmm. my mum was my educator, my parents, you know, and she's also an educator to her grandson. And we are. So it's not invested in just one person. We're, we're all in there. Uncles, aunts, and we're all imparting knowledge. So that kind of opened up for me how we need to keep our eyes peeled. Absolutely, absolutely. When I was growing up, my granddad did a splendid job raising us to be brothers. It was knowledge of self that was really important. We didn't know our upbringing. We didn't know how India, Pakistan was created. Mm. We had no idea. And he continued to plant seeds as we were absolutely. growing up. And it was the idea that because he didn't know English, he was illiterate. He came here to, as a bricklayer, worked in a brickyard for the best part of 30, 35 years. The opportunity for generations on to get a higher education, but go to university. Now we are a representation of social mobility and the right type of social mobility because we mm. spoke about this off uh, before uh, off the cuff chat. There's two there's two different strands you can go down. You either retain a sense of a self with your community, or you decide to use it as a vehicle to uh, punish and condemn others who don't mm. who can't achieve where you're doing. Say that one again. <laughs> we know people who are like that. <laughs> I think that was about as PC as I think I could have kept it without dropping anything in there. <laughs> We've no, got to be really careful. No, you do have to be. But the fact is, is that you are going to get gatekeepers. Absolutely. You're going to get them. And um, But you can prepare your children, prepare your child for school. And you empower them by giving them that self-worth. Mm confidence you know that um oh no you can't talk to my son now he he, he would tell you even if he's and if he's wrong or if something is wrong it, it's to question you don't sit there and you accept no it's it's a two-way process you know mm. so you, you absolutely and generation upon generation so the first generation came in the 50s and 60s yes. so india pakistan jamaica caribbean West Indies, mm. etc that generation were the good immigrants dare i say very much passive, happy to accept a position in British society. You know, we've moved on 50, 60, 70 years. And Not happening here, man. The systemic structures that have you know, suppressed, you know, and prevented us from achieving the meritocracy that we keep being paraded on TV and, and, and through the education system, unless those damaged systems are fixed, we're not going to get change. And by change, no, we're not talking about, you know, everybody has to learn. I have a dream off by heart. We're not talking about that. That'd be great. That would be great. Don't get me wrong. It's a great speech, but... <laughs> It's a conversation where we're talking about inclusivity and diversity. And, and that conversation has to be had. That conversation mm. has to be... They're not comfortable. Mm. But we're the... You know, they're not comfortable conversations. But if you don't have them, you're not going to make that change. You're not going to... Mm. I mean, our parents, they came and 
they laid the ground. And we went, okay, we'll take your ground, but we're going to plant some seeds for our lot. Mm. And we're planting those seeds, and our gen and my son's generations going to be the beneficiaries. And they're making waves. Mm. They're, you know, they're growing up and changing and, and seeing how things are, because it is going to be different. And I think for, for some of the old guard, it's a question of their time is come. Their time is coming and coming mm. to an end, and their era is coming to an end. And so mm. I guess it's about trying to preserve what little of it they've got left. But don't worry, because change is going to happen, whether they like it or not. Because when Absolutely. they're gone, they're gone. The fragility begins to surface more and more. Absolutely. And that is really quite interesting, because you wonder why is it... And I'm going to have to use... I'm going to have to kind of split this uh, an acronym. And I'm just going to be talking with the experiences of black women for now, because that's who I identify with. So mm. I do think, I mean, you know, what goals is, where do people think or individuals think they can speak for you for experiences that they don't actually live? And then try to turn things around as if you've got a chip on your shoulder mm. or, you know, you've got an attitude or you're, or you're coming across as, ooh you're, a, ooh, you're aggressive. Aggressive is the word. That's the word. Oh, you're aggressive. And yet the aggression isn't with you because mm. I, 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 not me, I'm not aggressive. I think if you call it confidence, if you call it self-assurance, if you call it not being undermined. Yeah, I could, I could, I could take all those comments, but aggressive. Mm. No, not. I would have to. I challenge it. Mm. I think it's a question of challenging things. And some people will get what man, what Ferguson would call squeaky bum time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Shout out to Sir Alex Ferguson. One day, I'd love to have you on Anti Small Talks. So absolutely, but I'm not. I'm not. Up, I'm not a man you fan, so don't get me wrong. There, I'm an Arsenal man. Sorry, I'm a guru. Okay. Okay, um, that's that's all right. A long-suffering Arsenal fan, I believe. I'm afraid we do. A, I was there with the double-double. I was there, you know, yeah, good times and the bad times. Yeah, but at least you're still staying with your team and remember yeah. the days of Henri. Oh, tell me about that legend. Ian Wright, um, get there, son. Get it. Bergkamp. I think that era, ah. I remember watching, the first celebrity footballer was David Beckham, but for England, for me, when I was growing up, seeing Henri score back heels, then... See him in the Renault advert. It was it was exciting. Honestly, as kids, all we wanted to do was be like Henri. And have your socks over your knees. Yes. <laughs> yes. And curl the ball into the top left hand top right hand corner front. The way he just bent that arm like yes, 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 yes. He was unbelievable. He was the montage. The montage of goals. He's no, the best I could watch I've them all. Watch them all with his little black gloves and his little See, we watched them all, know them absolutely. all. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh, we've kind of gone off topic, haven't we? Like, okay, no, so no, we, we, we can come back. We can just, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just... A couple of questions, a couple more questions here for sure. you, okay? So something that you're very passionate about is creativity, um, sort of harnessing creativity amongst young people as well. But what was the first record you ever bought, music record? Oh, God, God, this is going to go back a while now. I can remember it because I, I rinsed it out. I opened the windows. It was Ring My Bell. By Anita, Anita, Anita Ward, I think. And that tune was, I don't even know what summer it was, but whatever summer it was, we used to have my friends round from school and my 
parents used to have this gramophone system, this long, long thing with little, mm. little thing that lid that raised up and a turntable in the middle. And we used to, and I, it was a twelve inch, and those which my which my son now calls these big discs, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were records. Mom, what's this big disc here? And you know, we we play that, and it's that beat um, by a. I thought I think it's a need to ring my bell, and it's just that song. I remember it because it was just the verse, the rhythm, the beat, and everywhere you went on the street, people with these big speaker boxes on their heads, (laughs) boom boxes, and uh, yeah, ring my bell by Anita Ward. That was it. If I can find it, man. (laughs) I got. I just got. I got to get back to the land of just got. I just got to try it. Let's have a. Let's have a gander. it might not happen, but uh, yeah, it's Anita Ward. Ring my bell. Wow. Uh, am I going to play a little beat of that or what? I'm not sure if we're allowed to. If they find out, we could be in big trouble. No, that's why I haven't done it. All sorts. I haven't done it. No, it's not been done yet. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I just give a bit of a Google. It is there is a lady. Ring my bell. Anita Ward. Yep. Fantastic. The first album I ever bought was Dizzy Rascal, and it was. Fix Up Look Sharp, that album. I think Ooh, it was that album. No, Boy that. in the Corner was the first album I bought. But the first vinyl I ever, ever laid hands on was Alternate. Uh, what was this one called? Oh, God. Uh, what's it called? It's got my head now. Um, You're going to have to hum it a bit now until you get it. You're going to have to hum it. Free by Alternate. Yes. I remember... I remember seeing it in a shop and just picking it up and paying for it. No, we used to play that. I mean, we to, I mean my brother and sister, we used, to, we used to go, and friends, we used to go to little, we used to go to Dalston, Ridley Market. And there's a little, a little place, I have to call it a little shed, but it was a shed, but we could stand there for hours and, and listen to tracks. And I just yeah we'll pick that track or we'll pick that track. We used to, or we used to man. I mean I got friends who used to go to record shops and stand there all day, mm. and flicking through and, and and chatting about this just just drop this track here and mm. those are times you could stand in the shop and let those time pass. Days those were the days like you go you go to HMV and then you yes! go get pick, you go get some pick and mix. Uh, those were the days pick and mix. Oh God, that you used to eat before you paid for them. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> or you take more and then weigh yeah. them as less. That's so we'd have to we'd have to kind of sample just to check that we were that they were okay. <laughs> Woolworths, I think I can remember that shop. I love the pick and mix, and there's to be the quality streets. We used to eat the strawberry ones, or the pink mice, or the yellow bananas. Nostalgia, it can be dangerous, but for me, that era, like the early two thousands, late nineties, but I can remember coming home from school and watching Ready Steady Cook and yep. Craig David was on the radio. Yes, those days. Rewind. Not this Craig, they're not this hench Craig David. This is a different <laughs> I mean the old Craig David, the cool Craig David. The the old one, the old school one. Yeah, the old school one, yeah. This current <laughs> one's a bit uh No, bit we don't want modern. to Well, he's a bit too modern. But yeah, but he's moving with the times though. You can't you can't blame him. He's got to reinvent reinvent himself. He's got to reinvent himself. The whole notion the world is a stage and we're all actors on the stage and acting oh, a new no, trust me. Day, like no, I, I I'm not I'm not a stage person, which is really quite funny. I I will be anything but the stage behind do anything anything but stand in the front so to find me here is a real treat it's a real honestly treat. honestly we are very very blessed to have you on this podcast oh, i know you me. don't do the flow does not do public appearances guys or uh, i don't unless so unless you know me unless you know me you kind of seem but other than that i'm very private fantastic no flow we've got part three coming up after a few messages from our sponsors
Welcome back, everyone. This is part three of Anti Small Talk Teacher Hug Radio with the wonderful Flo Awalaja. So, Flo, we've got a few more questions for you. Fabulous, Flo. Flo, so a couple more questions here for you, okay? So, what is one thing you would tell a younger version of yourself? So, if you were to go look at yourself when you were 15, yeah, 15 is a good age because that's when you're kind of gaining direction. Yeah. If you were to meet yourself at 15, what would you say to yourself? Ooh, what would I say to my younger self? Um, and I wrote this down somewhere just so that I could remember because mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't always come up, you know, because you just think, don't regret opportunity. I think as an adult, you know, I think you always think, oh, opportunities, if you have one and you don't take it, mm. it may not come again. It does. And I, and I have learned, I've learned from loads of people, you know, like, um, you know, lots, lots of mentors and, and that comes with confidences, you know, don't um, don't regret opportunity. If, if, you know, you hear people say if something's presented to you and you say you could do it, mm. just say, yeah, I, I can do it and figure it out later. I think someone said, you know, the best way I've learned is that someone says you jump off the jump off a cliff and, and you grow your wings on the way down. Oh, <laughs> but it's true. You, you do. You take that chance. And you do somehow get to where you want to get to. Mm. Um, and I think that's what I would say is whatever comes up, opportunity comes up, you know, there are some I wish I had taken, I think. And I look back mm. now, I think if I, I don't regret not taking them, but I think I wish I had taken them. Um, you know, my son, I think when I was, I think 18, I had an opportunity to go to one of the best art schools in Holland, uh, Dutch designer. And I said, no, <laughs> mm. I said, I'll stay in England. Not now. If I had to do it now, I'd be like, no, nah, I pack my bags. I'm gone. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not waiting. I will go. Yeah. Mm. I will go. I had friends who left uni, went straight to the Netherlands and they're not, they've not looked back. And mm. I think I could have been, a, I could have been a Dutch speaking person. Mm. Could have been. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So I said, don't, I said, don't forget opportunity. Definitely. No, you're absolutely right. I think the, you, you this is quite, you'd be quite surprised. So the first time I ever, had a conversation on a podcast or someone invited me with actually Toria Bono. Toria oh, knows. Toria little knows voice. Um, Toria. Tiny voices. Cool. Yeah, Tiny Voice Tuesday yes. nights and Tiny Voice Talks. She's just messaged me. So, Treb, do you want to be on a podcast? I was like, no. No chance. <laughs> no chance in hell. You are not getting to hear my voice. No chance. <laughs> and we did a Zoom and we spoke about everything. I mean, everything. Absolutely. Life, death, situations, matters, race, politics, the lot. I just thought, this is a really genuine person and she ain't going to you know, mix up my words or yeah. you know, make, you know, possibly even, you know, flip the narrative. And she just listened to my story. And I thought, wow, if someone's willing to do that with me and take a chance with me, I want to do it with others as well. So she definitely inspired the work that I do. You know that. And uh, it's all about helping people find their voice. Absolutely. And it's a long journey. I think we're all on a journey, aren't we? As such. And, and opportunities do come up. You know, if I was to have said no, I wouldn't be here right now. But sometimes wanna... it does take someone to push you. I remember, yeah. uh, I think Sarah, I mean, you know, I, I guess we could probably come on to that in terms of what else I like doing. You know, I, I, um, I think Sarah Mullen, um, she's on, I think she's on Twitter. And um, she just put a call out. And she, she was writing a book at the time. Mm. And... Um, and she just put a call out for writers. And I'd been just, you know, as you do, writers, we have this, we kind of, we're, we are our own worst enemies. We, we write stuff and then it gets tucked away. You know, it, it doesn't get shown because you think someone's going to be, 
judging you. And I, I guess that's the same with anybody who's a creative. You do things and you just think, oh, no, let me just mm. talk that way. So I put, you know, I saw the tweet and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? And I just thought, you know what, why not? I'm writing anyway. So let's just drop it in. Well, you know, back and forth. And she says, right, Flo, your, your, your piece is in the book. And I was like, Jesus. Oh, mm. God. You know, so it is. And, you know, I, I really do think about it is about taking an opportunity when it presents itself. And from that, I, I have had so much opportunities. I've had the opportunity to meet different people because of one opportunity. And that's just put you in touch with someone else. And you, and you do things, you think, oh, yeah. Someone says, oh, I saw you doing such and such. Would you like to do? And you go, oh, OK. Yeah. And I think that's what I say is take that opportunity. It's, it's, it is. Don't say no. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's something I'm learning more and more uh, every single day. So, Flo, a couple of more questions here for you before we go on to the big one about music, which is going to happen oh, anyway. Yep. So um, a question here for you. Okay. So you're keen to have conversations that matter just like me. Why do you think it's important to challenge the status quo? What happens if you don't challenge it? It stays the same. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the word change is exactly that. You know, and there are going to be gatekeepers. There are going to be, you know, people who want to keep things the way they are. Why? Mm. That's not, you know, if <laughs> if we sat there and looked at one of our ancestors, and that's everybody who's ever been involved in politics, who's ever been involved in making change, you know, from unionists to, you know, Rosa Parks to, you know, anybody who wants to do see change, change is not not necessarily done for for fun. It's it's done because you, there's an issue. Mm. There's an issue that you want to challenge, and I always think if you're quiet or if you keep quiet, you become complicit, and that's not happening. You know, I think my mother says, you know, sometimes when you because you can't see things that are wrong and keep quiet about it. Otherwise, mm. when you become the victim of that wrong, you, you ain't got no leg to stand on. So I do I think it's right that challenge the status quo and people are not going to like it. But mm. my mum says, you're not here to almost to be liked. You know, mm. you're here to kind of ensure that if you see something that's not right, mm. you speak out about it. And it might Absolutely. mean that you're going to get your head shot down mm. or you're going to get your head above the parapet. But to keep quiet means that you're either going to suffer and then those behind you, coming up behind you, suffer. You know, if, all, if our ancestors kept quiet, what, what would we be doing? Mm, we'd still be suffering. We'd still be suffering, you know. We, mm. And they suffered so that we didn't have to suffer. And we are make sacrifices so that we, our generation doesn't suffer or the next one mm. doesn't suffer. So I think it's good to challenge. I mean, and you can challenge status quo in a way that doesn't have to be, rah, you know. Yep. You can gently push and you can push and but you keep pushing. Mm. And it, absolutely, and it, absolutely. And it's it's but you also got to have that support because you can't, mm. you know, no no you can't do that on your own. Mm. But mm. absolutely. Sometimes it only takes one. Those that have the power don't know anything else. Mm. And they're not prepared to invest or consider or look at anything else because you know if we and i know education is the hotbed at the moment but you know if, if we were to just look at 
a system that has been brought from the Victorian era from yep. when even down to the working day, you know, even the day of, you know, nine mm. to five, eight to four. Well, those are the days that the laborers were in the fields. Those yep. are the times the laborers were in the fields. So when the laborers were working, the children of those laborers needed to be somewhere. Someone needed to be looking after them. Mm. And it was deemed that they, while they've been looked after, they should have some, for, some kind of learning. Well, we're in the 21st century and we're still doing nine to five. We're still we doing are. eight to four. Yeah. But we're not, we're not farming fields. <laughs> no. And that's Absolutely. why it's broken. Absolutely. I think uh, action hero teacher Carl Poupe said we've got a Victorian education system for modern day demands. And yeah. the, the chasm between the two is enormous. Yeah, but, uh, but the fact is, is that you have to, you're going to have to, whether you like it or not, bridge that. And for all the, the madness that the pandemic has brought, it is clearly where people have tried to kind of stitch this thing up or patch it with, with, with kind of like tape. The tape ain't holding it no more. It's not, it's not holding it anymore. And you have a system that really needs to, whether it's dragged, kicking and screaming, it needs to come to the 21st century. You know, these, these structures that do exist, you know, they, they will be challenged, whether yeah. anyone likes it or not. They've got to be challenged. And as I said, you know, it's like a, it's like a wave. The, the individuals that might be holding the seats now, they're not going to hold them forever. And, no. you know, like, like a wave, this wave is passing. This wave is mm. passing and another little one is coming behind. Another little ripple is coming behind. And with that ripple, you're going to get another change. So change will happen. Whether people, you know, the likes of, dare we say his name, Gove, um, they cling on to something and you think, why? What, what is it that you struggle with that you can't, that you can't see, that you, mm. you don't want to let go of? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think they are clutching straws at the minute, uh, aren't they? Weak straws, weak straws, my man, weak straws. No. So what quote or quotes do you live by? Well, girl, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have things that are random are not your calling. They are your passion. I, something like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to find it now because if I get it wrong, I, I always have it tucked on me somewhere so that I can just wheel it out. But it gives, you know, things that are your, things that, in essence, things that you're passionate about, you know, that they call you, that they're not random. Mm. You, they, and that sits with me. And I, and I will, I'm, I'm actually scrolling on my phone through my, loads of images trying to find this one little mm. quote that I always seem to screenshot and save. So, um, bear with me, people who are listening. I couldn't because it's important that I get this. I get this right. That's the one thing that I, I carry with me. And, and my dad used to tell us when we were little that you know we we never carried our colleagues' shoes. And we used to go, "What do you mean you never carry your, your colleagues' shoes?" In essence, he was saying, you know, you make your own way through life. You know, you you don't answer to anybody. You know, you you that's it. You know, you. You make your opportunities, you make your chances, and you make your you make your way. Um, and so, yeah, I I'm eternally grateful for that. But that that quote is it's there. But that, in essence, that's it. You know, things that are random are not your calling; they are your passion. And that's absolutely, it. absolutely, I like that. I really like that. Okay, so Flo, last two questions. Okay, two of the most important questions uh -oh. we ask you. 
happens, okay? One, okay, what is currently sitting on your shelf? What are you currently reading? Oh, girl! <laughs> I'm not going to show you my little bookcase. Um, that's an impressive bookcase. And that's just... And that's literally slimmed down. <laughs> I was banned from buying books for a year. That's so really? Oh, my God. No, banned, because I would be buying books to the point that the books became little chairs. The books oh, be- wow. <laughs> that's a- I used to buy them and just oh I put that I put that one aside. I put that one aside. Um what well, see what book would you like? Let's have a look. And then look at my lovely book list. Ooh. Let's have a look. I have well I have several books. One that I really like, um To Kill a Mockingbird by Yep. Um I think it's because I like the name Harper. <laughs> um I just don't know what it is, but I've always loved the book. I remember it being an orange cover and black writing, but I've also seen the film and the film movie more than the book. And I was just like, oh, the, you know, that's one of the first books. But um, and then another one called The Lonely Londoner by Sam Selvin. I've also got any book by Maya Angelou. It doesn't matter. I bought the whole book from Why the Cage Bird Sings to, you know, all of the whole series in one go when I was at art school. Bought them all. Maya Angelou books are fantastic. That is an absolute brilliant selection. We've just got a message from our sponsors before we come back to talk about music. What is on your playlist? Would you believe I don't actually have a playlist? I Alexa switches up in the morning. I could have, um, I think it's called Morning Dance by Dave Cruzin. And that was a signature tune for a film called Tootsie. It was a, and I've, I was wanting to know what that, what that song was, track was called, so I tracked it down. I like anything by Ella Fitzgerald. I like anything by Billie Holiday. Um, I like Randy Crawford. Uh, yes, yes. And I found that she was 68. She's, it's her birthday. So, um, oh, wow. She's 68 today, I think. So, um, Randy Crawford. Oh, God, my favorite. Maze. Maze. Uh, Joy and Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anita Baker. You bring me joy. I mean, uh, Wilton Marcellus. Um, wow, wow. That's, <laughs> that's old. That's old. Yeah, wow. I've got my parents. Fela Kuti, Sisters with Voices. They stopped. So my parents were very. We had tracks all over the house. So we used to play them all. So Wilton Marcellus, was, yeah, I just love listening to jazz. So it really depends how what sits on me. And I can happily switch from. I can listen to something quite classical like. Mm. Uh, the Marriage of Figaro, right the way through to someone like, you know, Frankie Beverly and Maze. So um, it's, it's broad. I like my musical tastes. Absolutely. What about more modern stuff? Do you listen to anything more modern? I'm like, I'm talking about not currently in the charts because nothing in the charts is worthy of our time. Let's be honest, you know. Uh, yeah, let's be very honest. Uh, but... 
by modern what can i say like, i don't know anything from like late 90s to early 2000s well drop them in and we'll see and i could tell you yes or no i mean i could i might be able to know them but i know the track i could i could hear them when, when they're playing i'd be like yeah bust that tune bust that tune i don't know i listen to everything from like jojo daniel beddingfield i listen to spice girls you know i listen to backstreet oh, boys God. backstreet boy yes joe to see uh, in fact yeah. you keep you keep playing them and i've got them on a little uh cd mm. Um, yeah, you could have Joe see Daniel Bellingfield, you've got uh, Shania Twain. I mean, Shania Twain's cool. She's cool, there, yeah. You see? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a very golden era, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That was it. It was it. And uh, it was good. It really was. It really was good. No, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. There's, I think music really brings people together from all different backgrounds, doesn't it? Which is really, really special. It's kind of like the cultural sort of like umbrella isn't it brings oh yes oh yes definitely definitely without a doubt without a doubt no i've enjoyed that's but my music tastes are eclectic you know when you've got when you've got young children you just you just span generations you span Mm. generations so i don't think it matters absolutely honestly flo it's been incredible we could talk we could talk for an hour there's still loads to come still loads to come still loads to come honestly we could talk for another hour there'll be definitely a part two i'm almost oh my god bring it on this time i'll bring my i'll bring my chicken wings with me this time i've got i've got i've got to have my chicken wings i've got got to have them i've got to have them yes (laughs) no honestly it's been absolutely incredible having you fantastic those of you out there listening flo's an incredible human being just so funny vibrant flo where can people find you if you want to be found that is um, you can find me on, yeah, but see, that means everyone's going to start chasing me now and I can't be having that. Um, yeah, you find me at, at, on Twitter at Positive Image Project, but that's the only social media platform I'm on. I'm not mm. on any, anything else. Um, now you're going to find all the educators don't flock into Twitter now, I don't yeah. mind it. Yep. <laughs> you get mm. some, but no, um, yeah, Positive Image P, I'm on Twitter and, uh, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure. So I look forward to seeing more of your happy anti-small talks when they come up. And um, yeah, I should catch up with you soon on Twitter. Absolutely. And we didn't say the word sweet custard today. We were going to say that. Weren't we? I yes, didn't. I I, oh, thank goodness, God. No, we didn't say I can't. Not even, not even any form of custard. It definitely takes me back to school. It, no, it wasn't a good experience, custard. No. Lumpy, cold. Nah, all the puddings, nah, 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 forget that. And your anti-small talk, you know, it's, I've seen it kind of just grow organically where people are now saying, yeah, put me on there, put me, no, no, put me on, rather you like having to, rather than, it's, this is what I'm doing, put your hands up if you want to come now, it's like, how, how, how come I've not been on there, you haven't, you haven't spoken to me yet, what, what are you on about, bro, come on, come on. <laughs> We're here now. That's the most important thing. We are here now. It's been a long time coming, but we are here now. Ah, it's been worth it. It's been well worth it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Shweb Khan with the incredible Flo Awalaja at Anti Small Talk in our collaboration with Teacher Hug Radio. If you wish to get in touch and be part of a conversation, please contact us at Anti Small Talks on Twitter or www.antismalltalk.com. Till next time. Thank you and goodbye.